Welcome to the Backyard Blitz. It is May 4th, 2022. Today we go in-depth to discuss our winners and losers of the NFL Draft. Ryan Tannehill doesn't think he should be a mentor to Malik Willis. We give our thoughts on that and more. Football is here. Let's get it. Welcome to the Backyard Blitz. I'm Brandon Peebler. You can follow me at Peebler22. You can follow us on Twitter at the BY Blitz. You got Ronnie Eastham in the house. Follow him at Ronnie Eastham. Ronnie, how you doing, man? I can't believe we're already going to be talking about the draft being over now and our reaction show. Time is flying, dude. It is flying. You know, um, so my wife and I went out and bought a couple of bicycles yesterday. I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice day out man oh man it is warm out there uh, yeah we just got back like less than an hour ago and was like oh boy i'm gonna go into this all hot and sweaty good thing i nobody can smell me on air though right that, that's uh, well thing. i don't know i mean you are just down the neighborhood i was wondering what that stretch uh, yeah. was on the way but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was me <laughs> <laughs> that figured i figured dude i want to say <laughs> our bracket got busted at pick three that yep. was the that was the one stingley did not predict that um, there was not a lot of people that, that predict that at all, but there was a lot of momentum on draft day that that could potentially yeah. happen. But man, what were your initial thoughts of, of the draft? Because it was an exciting draft. It was very unpredictable, but wow. I, I'm curious to hear what, what you have to say about it. Well, you know, so when the Stingley thing happened, uh, I, like I said, well, I go, I looked at my wife is like, yeah, that's a bracket buster right there. Uh, at pick three. And it's just going to cascade it from down. Uh, but I, when it happened, I was like, I should have changed my my mock, even though, you know, we already had it completed and everything. Because, yeah, same like you were just saying, I started hearing kind of that day uh, that that might happen. And right. I was listening to some other podcasts as coming heading home uh, that morning, in fact. And I was listening to that, and I was like, no way. They'd take it. But, you know, it happened. And, uh, I mean, kudos to Houston for keeping that hush-hush. Because it couldn't have been a last-minute decision for them. I'm sure that they were probably looking at that for, you know, longer than 24-hour period. Oh, I, absolutely. And, I mean, there was a lot of rumblings that came out of Jacksonville about Trayvon Walker. We started hearing that about a, a couple weeks in advance, enough yeah. to where we changed our mocks, right? So I think our final two mocks, both of us had Trayvon Walker going one yep. and then Aiden Hutchinson going two. I was actually kind of surprised that Detroit – uh, if they must have known that Trayvon was going one because they held that pick, uh, it, yeah. I imagine if it would have been Hutchinson, they might have been wanting to finagle a little bit. But trade wise, I think Vegas had the over under at one point five. Crazy, but there were what was there five or six trades in the first round, and then not to mention the players that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Just uncanny. It was like I couldn't keep yeah. up with all the stuff that was going on between the picks players now somebody else is trading up that was that was gnarly yeah what was it 11 12 and 13 back to back to back or 12 13 yeah. 14 somewhere around in there i was like yeah. are you kidding me this is just destroying my mock <laughs> absolutely it, it was nuts and then we have i think six six or seven wide receivers in the first 20 yes. which is a record that hasn't yeah. happened before no crazy draft it was fun to watch and only so ronnie i gotta toot my horn here there was only one quarterback that was selected. Yeah. I had two. You had four. But I think we could have seen it going a number of different ways. I could have I could have been on board with three. I could have been on board with four. You know, the certain spots if somebody wanted to trade up. 
but I was surprised with the first guy that was taken and then the gap between the first quarterback to what was it the third round when finally Malik Willis came off the board it was I I I was like okay day two turn on the draft Malik Willis is going to go early the whole day the whole second round he 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 went by then in in the third round I I don't know I I want to say that it was we talked about this. It was a weaker quarterback class, but you can almost talk yourself into, okay, the, these guys need a quarterback. This team needs a quarterback. I can see that happening. You almost talk yourself into there's going to be three going. <laughs> there's going to be four going, right? Well, and then and I think, all of a sudden it was one. Yeah, and I think the risk that you run there is, is if you're a team that's looking for a quarterback, do you wait and hope that another team doesn't take him? So I think there was a risk there by not. But as the draft was going on, I think the teams were starting to realize nobody's going to take a quarterback, so we can wait. We don't have to get him in the first round like we thought we might have to. I think had Pickett gone sooner, um, I think there could have been a potential run on the quarterbacks. But yeah. uh, since we didn't even have one until the 20th pick, I think the teams that needed a quarterback like, yeah, we can wait. Nobody's going to take him. Let's wait. And uh, it worked out for him for sure, especially if they pay up. Absolutely. Carolina was the one that I had my eyes on because if Carolina yeah. selected one, I felt like that there was other teams that would feel pressured. Okay. Now we need to get our guy yep. Yep. because somebody else is going to come up too. But what happened was kind of the opposite. It wasn't the quarterbacks. Stingley goes, uh, he went three, three and then sauce Gardner goes four, but then all of a sudden you had all these amazing tackles that were available right now that teams were like, okay, we're going to get our tackle we're going to be able to get a guy that maybe we didn't even think uh, that we we're going to be able to get. So I was, I mean, it, it was, it was pretty incredible to, to watch that happen. Stingley messed up the top 10. I can't talk past <laughs> the 10 because they all kind of swapped yeah. around. And then it was after that, then it was the trades that kind of messed stuff up. But I want to talk about who won draft night. Like who was the team that won draft night? And I'm going to bring this up here. I got the Jets, man. I got the Jets as winning. I mean, they had a tremendous night. The pick number four, we talked about Sauce Gardner going. I felt like he was the top corner in the draft. Um, You can make an argument for Stingley. I don't think you can go. I I think it's more along the schemes, but Robert Sala likes those long, lanky corners that fit in that kind of Seattle cover three type of scheme uh, that plays a lot over the top. Gardner fit perfect in that. And then at 10, I know we talked a lot about Jamison Williams going in that in that spot. And they went with Garrett Wilson, which was kind of a surprise where I was like, man, it wasn't Drake London. It wasn't Olave. It wasn't Williams. It was Garrett Wilson that went. We actually had him going to Atlanta at pick eight. Um, and then the craziest thing was they traded back up into the first round and selected Jermaine Johnson. So those three guys right there, those can change the blueprint of what your team looks like. You got a a corner that has the ability to be a shutdown corner. You got Garrett Wilson, who has the ability to be a number one wide receiver to pair up with your quarterback that you selected to last year. And then you get a pass rusher that fell all the way to 26. And I remember we were like, Jermaine Johnson, how is he falling down in the 20s? And we were trying to find a way to move him back up, but he seemed to kind of still stick there. And then we were hearing a lot of stuff the couple, you know, a couple days before that he could be a top 10 guy, Yeah, you know, 
But then the second round is where they crushed it and just really solidified. I thought their first round was great, but we talked about Brees Hall potentially going to the Buffalo Bills, and they nabbed him early in the second round and really got four players that can really change that team. Uh, I know it's AFC East, and the Jets is kind of a swear word in your house, probably not as bad as New England. But what did you think about the Jets and, and what their draft looked like? I was actually impressed. I mean, so you could argue they got the best uh, player at three different positions in this draft, right? Um, and that's excluding Jermaine Johnson. Uh, I was shocked to see that he had fallen uh, I inexplicably. I really don't know what the situation was with that. The only thing that I was kind of hearing is I guess he kind of – his character might have been a little bit of a question as far as uh, not like off the field necessarily issues, but just his his attitude – uh, being a little over the top arrogant, I suppose, but, um, yeah, I mean, almost fell out of the first round. That's, that's just nuts. Uh, they stocked up on that first round with some, with some serious talent. Uh, I'm not concerned about them just yet. Cause they are still rookies. If Zach Wilson though, takes a step this year and continues to progress, I look out next year and the following season. Cause this, that, that they could be a scary team. He bulked up. I don't know if you saw the latest pictures of Zach Wilson. Uh, they're in their rookie minicamp or OTAs, whatever it is. He looks like he put on about 15 pounds of muscle. My my thoughts on him last year coming in the NFL is that he might be too small. Um, so as far as being able to take 90 now. Yeah. So I mean, he yeah, <laughs> but he got he looks like and, and you know that happens to, to young men. Yeah. You know sometimes you you blossom a little bit later. Sometimes, you know, people hit 18 and they gain 20 pounds of muscle. And you're like, who is that guy? He comes back, you know, and you're like, wow. Um, senior but, year and you're asking for a, for a yeah. certificate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Senior year and you're like, where? You got a beard. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but I start, I, Robert Sala has done a, a, a great job kind of coaching this team, but their GM has done a really great job at least piecing together and uh, was it Joe Douglas has done a great job of in this draft. I was really, really impressed. And I can imagine, I mean, you see the jets up there four and 13. Nobody's looking at the new England Patriots, at least right now. And we're going to have a conversation about that, but we got, everybody's looking at the Buffalo bills and that, not just in that division, but I think in the NFL and you got to cover those receivers, you got to be able to get after the quarterback and that AFC is loaded and they got some good young players that, yeah. you know, ultimately, I mean, this is a draft class that if they hit on, I mean, hell, if they hit on three of these guys, two of these guys, it's a successful draft. I mean, Brees Hall, if he comes out and and just kills it and takes a lot of pressure off of Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson starts to, you know, kind of take off and they do have some guys there, that's going to be impressive. Uh, but I had the Jets as one of the top winners and uh, Ronnie. I'm going to let you take this one because I know we were texting back and forth. You feel really great about the draft. There wasn't a yeah. lot of holes in the the Buffalo Bills. They were first in the AFC East last year. Everybody and their grandmothers picking them to win the Super Bowl this upcoming year. And then they had a tremendous uh, draft night. So, Ronnie, you got the logo in the background. You got the hat. You got the jersey on. Talk about your team, man. <laughs> Uh, I think they killed it. They they got a guy in in, uh, in Kyer Elam that is being talked about. This guy could be a true CB one at, at his uh, highest potential. At, you know his ceiling. Uh, if you can get him and Trey White gets back, it's two. I mean, serious lockdown corners. 
on your defensive side, along with, of course, those two safeties they got in Poyer and Hyde. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's funny with uh, with James Cook. I was listening to uh, One Bills Live, and they had uh, Greg Cosell on there, and he was talking about James Cook and how he's the absolutely perfect fit for the Bills, and they kind of went into you know why and, and the, the X's and O's, as uh, Cosell does. And the more I listened to it, and then I started kind of watching some of Cook's, uh, you know, his tape, and I was like, yeah, that's like that's the one piece of the offense that Buffalo really is lacking. Singletary does an okay job in the passing game, but he's not going to scare anybody. He's not a guy that like, okay, what's he doing out wide? Oh crap, we better get somebody. Cook is that guy. You can split him out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in the backfield and, ro- and uh, motion him out. He's you can do all sorts of stuff with him in the passing game. And, you know, mixing some carries there. He's not an every-down kind of back. He's a little bit of a, a smaller guy. I believe he's just under 200 pounds. Uh, but that's where Singletary comes in. Singletary can, can you know, uh, handle the bulk of the carries. I think it's a great one-two punch right there. And and the great thing about running backs as rookies, that's the one position that generally they can come in and have an impact right away. Uh, right. As long as you're not asking there. them to pass protect. I think that's going to be right. like the biggest thing. But James Cook isn't going to be that guy that's going to be back right. there anyway because you're going to want him out on a route most likely. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, Bernard, I, I was kind of hearing some rumblings that they reached a little bit for him. Um, but it's really kind of a position that they didn't necessarily need. It's more of a depth pick. But as this draft went on, you could really see where the Bills roster is right now. They're in a position where they can move around, do what they want with draft picks. They don't have to stockpile draft picks. So if they want to throw some together to move up, they can do that. If they want to add some luxury pieces like a James Cook, they can do that. Um, And that was a thing initially when they drafted Elam, in fact. I thought they moved up from two spots to get him. But the more uh, I kind of looked at it, there was a lot of people trading up that we did not expect necessarily. At least I didn't expect to see that. Uh, and I guess that was the thing that uh, Brandon Bean was concerned about was somebody jumping them into that 23 to 24 getting their guy. He was their last guy on their draft board with a true first round, first round grade. And so Bean was like, I didn't want to risk it. I packaged some picks together, moved up, we got our guy. That's the beauty of being where they are right now. And there's not that many teams that have a roster built like that where they can just kind of do what they want and don't have to worry about stockpiling draft picks they don't have to worry about a rebuild they can just kind of plug in pieces here and there they can get some luxury picks for the future depth pieces like terrell bernard um my favorite player this whole draft i think you know who that is i do Uh, khalil shakir that is fantastic uh you and i have spent the last uh handful of years watching him play for boise state uh somebody tweeted the other day a a video of him making a one-handed grab on the sidelines kind of doing a little 360 thing. And so I responded with, you know, living here in Boise State, I've watched every single one of his games. That's a regular thing. Like every single weekend yeah. he was doing that. Uh, and I remember even saying last year, your senior year, watching some of his plays, this kid's going to make an NFL. He's just – his hands are incredible. He made some amazing catches. So I'm really excited he's good to see after, he He's a good run after the catch. Um, I, I know that he's not like necessarily like the, the biggest kid, but when you look at these receivers now – not a lot of there's not a lot of six four two twenty five guys. You know, there's a lot of six one one ninety five, you know, type of guys. And that's kind of where he fits in. But I was hoping uh that one of us was gonna get him. I know there was talk uh a lot of Niners fans were looking at him saying that he would fit phenomenally in Kyle Shanahan's system. So I was happy when I saw 
uh, Shakir come across that he was going to the Bills because I know that you're a big Boise State guy too. So, I mean, that's that's pretty cool that you get to watch him yeah. at, in college and then he's on your favorite pro team too. So that that's pretty special. Yeah. This is actually – so this is the second time that's happened. Uh, previously, uh, people from Boise State will remember this name, Derek Schumann. Uh, oh tied yeah, in for State. yeah, yeah. Back in the early two thousands, shoo, yeah. He was drafted to Buffalo. I don't remember the round. It was later in the in the in the draft, but um, he he came back to Boise and they did a charity softball event over at the Boise Hawk Stadium. Uh, the Boise Hawk Stadium, for those that don't know, obviously it's a, a single A baseball team. Yeah, short season. And uh, yeah, so they were doing a charity softball event there, and he was named one of the the team captains. So he got to you know, pick his players and whatnot from the Boise State football team. Me and uh, my uh, stepson were in the crowd. We're all decked out in our Bill stuff. And he spotted us in the crowd. And he came over to us after the game, and he's like, I just got to shake y'all's hands because I've never seen a Buffalo Bills fan in Idaho. And it was kind of <laughs> cool. He came to us. and uh, Yeah, that's uh, so awesome. We, we got some autographs and, and things like that, and it was pretty cool. Unfortunately, his, his third year with Buffalo, he finally started to really put it together. It was making some plays. I think he had – um, one game where he had like four or five receptions, about 70 yards, a touchdown. And then he got injured and I never saw him play again. So it was unfortunate, but so it's really cool when a guy from your, your school, if you watched for years, gets drafted to your favorite NFL team and you can continue watching their career. It's pretty neat. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, he has, he has an opportunity to really, I mean, when a guy's picked in the fifth round, usually you don't have a lot of expectations, but this is a little bit of a different draft. There were guys yeah. that were going in the fifth or sixth round that had second round grades, you know, and this was yeah. such a deep draft. It was, it was more along the lines of, do you really like this guy and where do you want to take him? Where do you think people, other people are going to take him? Cause we got to nab yeah. him first. Um, you got another Mac, uh, not Mac, um, Matt. mountain West, <laughs> mountain West guy <laughs> here. And that's the punt God. Now I was keeping an eye out for where he was going to go because I really think that if you have a really good punter in the NFL, you have a good team that you can use your punter as a weapon. And when you look at kind of how the Bills season ended, right? Maybe some special teams kick the ball out of bounds when they're not supposed to, but being able to use field position. And I really think that this is an underrated weapon that the Bills yeah. got. And I wanted to think, I wanted to see what you had to say about him. That's another one that I was eyeballing and thinking, there's no way Buffalo's going to get him. This this is one of those few drafts for me that almost pick after pick, I'm like, that's the guy I would have taken. That's who I wanted them to take. This is so cool. You know, it started with James Cook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, generally, you're looking at your, you're watching your team draft and you're like, well, who's that? No, no, don't get that guy. You, you made a mistake, you know. Uh, but this one was uh, so much fun. And then, yeah, when they announced the punt god, I was like, are you kidding me? This is. I've, you know, cracked some jokes since then. It doesn't really matter if we have a punter or not because Buffalo's not punting. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he said he did make a really cool tweet. And I, sh oh, I'm, I'm mad that I don't have it right here. But he said that he's the fourth down quarterback. <laughs> that he, he tweeted that out. I thought that was hilarious. I, Josh yep. Allen liked it. And I was like, that, you know what? That's perfect. Yeah. He, he, uh, I saw an interview and he did. Uh, and they were talking about him and uh, making some tackles. And they asked him, what's your favorite part of being a punter? And he's like, oh, when I get to get in there and make a hit. And they're like, seriously? He's like, yeah, there's a stigma about punters, and I'm here to break that. So they showed some clips of him just running downfield and making some hits. and like, all right, let's go. 
<laughs> he'll do that once on an NFL team and he's going to get his butt chewed by the coach, probably the special so. teams coach, yeah. or he's going to get hit so hard that he's not, you know what? I'm I don't good. need to do that. But it was, it was funny. Um, I was watching the, the Pat McAfee show and you know, he was like, yeah, I don't know. Cause he was a, you know, he was one of the best punters in, in league history. And he was talking about this guy. And he goes, hold on on the punt god thing. Cause you know, he's, he goes, uh, hacker is his, he goes, that, that guy is ridiculous, but he goes, this guy cares about his net average. He is busting his butt down there to go make a tackle. Cause he's worried about his net average. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That's yeah, cool. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your bills. Um, I know that, yeah, we, when we, you know, I'm a Niner fan. I'm sure that you had your eyes peeled when the Niners picked and the same thing when the Bills picked. Um, and I mean, James Cook, I was hoping that potentially he might go to the Niners. Um, obviously, he didn't last long, pick 63. They had an opportunity too, by the way. Uh, they went edge rusher. But uh, overall, I think it was a really great um, pick by the uh, draft by the Bills. Next up, I got the Ravens here because their first round. I mean, to get Kyle Hamilton, I thought was huge. And they, uh, they, I, I believe they traded up to, no, they didn't trade at 14. They traded 25. Uh, yeah. That's what happened there. But Kyle Hamilton was Buffalo's. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Hamilton was a guy. I honestly, I'll, I'll be 100% honest. I'm a big Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish guy. I watch every single one of their games. He was always flying around the field, but his 40 time kind of scared me in the NFL as how fast these guys are. I mean, you look at this draft class of receivers, there was 10 guys that was sub 4-4. Yeah. So you kind of look at that. But it's also, you think about guys like Jerry Rice, who didn't run the 40 particularly well, but when they played football, they were much faster than, you know, when they just line up against nobody. So he might be one of those guys, but there was a lot of people, Richard Sherman for one, was he go, oh man, they got a guy and their yeah. secondary is going to be on lock. When somebody like that, that knows the secondary position, that knows what it takes in the NFL says something like that, you know, you kind of turn your eyeballs a little bit and you go, Hey, you know, that that's a big deal. But I, the one that I really liked was Linderbaum. We were wondering where he was going to go. I mean, we could have had him slotted at green Bay potentially, Dallas potentially there were yep. some teams yep. that were in need of a center uh matter of fact um the Cardinals needed need interior offensive linemen this is huge for what the Ravens like to do we know that they're not going to drop back and throw it 45 times they're not no. they're going to try to run it 40 times they're going to try to do that with Lamar uh JK Dobbins and all that stuff but I think that was a tremendous pick to get a young guy that can come in, that's going to be able to, to learn. And listen, they're going to grind it out. And he is that kind of guy for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, and then David Ojabo, who we talked about, who's going to take a flyer on that guy? Somebody is, and they're going to get a damn good player. He blew out his Achilles in his pro day. And if it wasn't for that, he's going to be a first rounder. He falls to the second round, pick 45. But man, you put him on the Baltimore Ravens defense when he is healthy. And I think he's going to turn some heads. What did you think about the Baltimore Ravens draft and what stood out to you, Ronnie? Uh, what stood out was definitely the Java pick uh, because you're right. I, if I'm a GM, uh, especially if I'm one of those in the, in the top, you know, half of the draft, uh, top 20, 
majority of those teams aren't going to compete even this year, right? So you've got right. time. Uh, most of those coaches are, are newer coaches, so you you would hope that their GM will give them or ownership will give them a, a couple of years. He's one of those guys that, yeah, you, you go ahead and bring him in. He may not play this year, uh, but then he can you know hit the ground running. He'll know the system. Uh, I think it's a, to get him uh, where they did, I, it's, it's great. I was really shocked to see him fall that far down. Uh, with Hamilton, you and I talked about my first mock draft. I had him going number two overall. You did, yes. Yeah. Very first, yeah. He, you know, many people have said that he was the best defensive player overall in this draft. So, right. and, and we've talked about, you know, the comparisons with uh, the safety duo in Buffalo and how the safety duo, when they work well together, can really disguise what your defense as a whole is trying to do and, and really make a huge difference on the defensive side of the ball. So that one's a big one. Uh, and I like Travis Jones. I, I felt like that's a sneaky, good defensive tackle uh, selection there in the third round. This draft was deep. I mean, yeah. when, when I'm going through and I'm I'm looking at these draft classes for these teams, I'm seeing guys that are ho household names for their school that's fourth, fifth rounder. And I'm going, what in the world? I mean, it, it was a deep draft and we said it. And we heard that all the way through. And I think as – we kind of went on even day three of the draft. There's people that we know that can play ball that are getting mm -hmm. selected sixth round that you're going, I'm pretty sure that he could have gone in the second round in some other drafts potentially. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to say about Kyle Hamilton as a safety, he's six foot four. Yeah. He's you think kid. about he's that he's a tall kid, tall, yeah. lengthy, lanky, you know, kid that they can get his arms up. And that is a huge deal when you think about, over the middle, trying to get a deep ball over him. He's he's a little bit taller than some of these other safeties, and he's going to be able to make a play. He can jump. So, yeah. Um, I, really I also good. really really like uh, Daniel, and I'm going to mess up this last name, but Faha Lele. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Minnesota. Um, I can't remember if I sent this to you or who it was, but I was watching Minnesota's bowl game, and this kid, he's oh my gosh, six. Says so right six nine three eighty. Okay, yeah, almost four hundred pounds. Yeah, I remember. And I this, saw yeah. that, and they lined him up as a fullback on a two point conversion too. And I was like, this isn't even fair. He no. hit that line and just bodies went flying. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's a mammoth of a man, it's and a it's even a mammoth of a man in the NFL. That is huge. Yeah. So I'm 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 gonna be kind of watching him because you know when I watched that bowl game, I kind of like fell in love with him. I'm like I like this guy. He's, He's cool, and and his his attitude. Uh, they you know did some interviews during the game, went talking about him too. He's a good kid, so uh, I, I was happy to see him uh, get picked. I, I wish it would have been with Buffalo. That's the one guy that we didn't get that would have been cool. But uh, man, he's huge. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And as we're going through this, and Ronnie, I know because your teams in the AFC, you're looking at these. I'm saying draft winners, right? Got the Jets, AFC. Bills, AFC, got the Ravens now, AFC. So you're going to be an NFC team that pops up next? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to keep the Eagles out of this conversation. I thought they crushed it on, on draft day. They're, they went a different route than we thought, okay? They had, first of all, they had three first-rounders. Three first-rounders what, a month and a half before the draft started. Then they traded one of them to New Orleans. They ended up trading another one away for a player we're going to talk about here in a second. But Jordan Davis, I we we thought that 
there's a possibility that he might go there at I I think it was pick 15 potentially. Well, they yeah. moved up. They get him at pick 13. And then we're thinking Nicobe Dean. We had Nicobe Dean going in the first round, by the way. I can't this believe that he went shock. in the third. Yeah, huge shock. He was one of the best defenders in in the draft. And the yeah. fact that he fell to three, I had him at pick 18 going to the Eagles. And yep. that after 18, people were looking. And even in the second round, Nicobe Dean still on the board. Every time they had Mel, Ka- Mel Kuyper's top five players that were available, <laughs> was it was there. him and Malik Willis for like two yep. days that were up there. Uh, so that was a shock. But the fact that they got him in the third round was crazy. But let's let's take it a minute because this kind of almost stole the draft show. They got this guy. <laughs> A.J. Brown was traded from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. This kind of shook up. I mean, this was like a big deal right in the middle of the draft. I mean, this, this happened right around the draft. Yeah. Right in the middle of the draft. He goes, and then not to mention the the contract that he signed. And we knew, oh my gosh, like they must have been talking about this for a while because you don't just trade a guy now you have a contract. Like they yeah. must have been negotiating this for a while. They kept it hush hush. What were your thoughts about this? Do you? Th- I feel like it's a huge win for the Eagles to be able to get a guy of that caliber because they didn't have anybody. We had a receiver going there in the draft. Uh, Olave, uh, one of us had him. I think we had him in one of our mocks. Uh, yep. We had a number of guys going there. But instead of getting him, they used that first rounder to get A.J. Brown. I think it's sounds tremendous. Like, uh, tremendous. Sounds like they took a page out of the Rams book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's essentially what they did. And, I mean, it makes sense. Why pick a guy, a rookie, who maybe he pans out, maybe he doesn't, and go and use that first-round pick on a guy that's a proven – player in this league and relatively still young i think he's been in the league what two three years yeah. so yeah he's still well, young. yeah he was yeah three i think he's played three years so he was in the yeah. same draft class as debo samuel so three years this is going into his fourth which was a contract fourth year. year so I yeah a, i mean he's a young guy it's a perfect compliment to Devontae smith it really is yeah. because yeah. he's gonna he's gonna draw the attention of the coverage primarily and that's really gonna i think open up things for for smith who's a little bit he's a smaller guy obviously so uh, he's going to be able to work better in space and not have to worry about double teams necessarily uh, and things like that, bracket coverage, because all that's going to go more towards A.J. Brown now. So right. I think it's uh, I think it's huge. And Hurts, uh, I believe, is going into his third year, right? This is year three yeah. for him. So I kind of see this as a, a make or break uh, for him because they've given him some weapons now. Now you got to go they've given him. And they, and you want to know what? In, in all fairness to him, they basically since last year have kind of given him the keys. They yeah. traded away Carson Wentz and said, "Hey, we're going to go with Jalen." And they didn't have a lot of weapons with him last year. And he statistically, fantasy wise, performed pretty well. <laughs> all that rushing. But he he was inconsistent in the passing game. Yeah. But I'll tell you what: the 49ers played him in Week Two, and you can see it. There's flashes that are there that he can make some throws, and that he is dangerous with his legs. He just didn't have a lot of guys to throw to, and now Jalen Rieger. He is one of those guys that might potentially – I think he's going to be on his way out kind of because of this move. Probably. I think definitely because of this move. But you, you hit the nail on the head, Ronnie, is that he's a perfect complement to Devonta Smith. We were looking at who could go there, and they were all kind of smaller receivers. Olave, he was a smaller guy, yeah, right? And we're like, well, Devonta already is a smaller in stature kind of player. 
they need a bigger guy. And I remember that's when we started talking about uh, the the Brisker, not Brisker, uh, the Penn State uh, receiver. No, the Arkansas receiver. Uh, the the uh, guy at six. Burks. Uh, Burks. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking about him potentially being a good fit because of that stature that he had that would complement him. Oh, yeah. no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go <laughs> out and get A.J. Brown. We're going to sign him to a multi-year deal. Uh, thank you very much. I thought that was a great move. Um, Johan, by the way, was ecstatic. I can't wait to have him on the show to talk Eagles because he got <laughs> Nicobe Dean. They don't draft linebackers. He got his boy. Uh, they got uh, Jordan Davis. They're going to be able to replace Fletcher Cox, hopefully. Now, I'm not comparing him to Fletcher Cox. I'm just saying that he has outstanding potential. Um, that's why he's drafted in the first round of pick 13. But yeah. having a guy like A.J. Brown for your young quarterback to throw to, and they have Miles Sanders in the backfield, they're all of a sudden starting to get some pieces there. And mind you, they are not far off. They were a playoff team last they year. They were in the playoffs, they, yeah. They were a wild card team last year. Not, not and I think they got in the NFC, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they got better. They got yeah. better. So overall, they uh, those teams, uh, draft winners for me. But now this is my favorite. Oh, I got one more draft winner. We counted them up. We went through, counted up all the mock drafts. And let me tell you, it made me feel good because as I watched the draft, Ronnie and, and you said at pick three, our, our brackets busted. Our, our mock drafts completely just went to hell. I was happy to see that everybody else's was too. <laughs> everybody else's. We had our sheets out. We're marking and I'm getting pissed. And that, there were some that were really close, you know, maybe like the next pick. Or whatever. But John Kilbasi, congratulations. You won our mock draft challenge this year. You got $50 in Buffalo Wild Wings cash coming your way. He nailed the top uh, three of the first four picks, which there was a lot of them that did. But then he nailed Kenny Pickett to the Buffalo or to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which nobody really had. Uh, so he hit a late rounder, he hit a late pick, and then he got those top ones. The points were there. Uh, Dawson, you were really, really close. Uh, you had 20 points, uh, but awesome job, Kielbasi. I, I'm excited. He had a he had a hunch uh, on draft night. He's like, I'm like, I got to look at these. But <laughs> congratulations, you won 50 bucks. But now I got to talk about nice. the losers. These are the fun guys to talk about. These are the ones that had their shot and just missed it. Just missed it. And my first one here is the Arizona Cardinals. And here's why. One of them didn't actually happen on draft day, but it happened a couple days after. Ronnie and I, you and I <laughs> talked about this. Kind of had a, a little bit of uh, talking about top receivers, right? And yeah. DeAndre Hopkins is, is suspended for the first six games of the 2022 season for uh, using performance-enhancing drugs. It's a final decision. He's not even appealing it, apparently, which he was very adamant in the statement that he – he, it shouldn't have happened, but he's also not appealing it. Take that as you will. <laughs> but they also traded for Hollywood Brown, which I understand the pairing between Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown, because let's face it, Lamar Jackson was just not getting him the ball the way that they would hope. Um, but then you look at, they lost their top pass rusher in Chandler Jones. Yeah. They get two defensive ends here, but none of them really kind of move the needle for me when you lose a guy like Chandler Jones. I'm just looking at this. <laughs> I mean, their second rounder was a tight end. They have Zach Ertz there. Like, 
I just looked at this and I was just, it was very head scratching to me of, I didn't look at this draft for the Cardinals and say, Hey, they got better. In fact, there's a lot of picks. I feel like they kind of missed um, particularly their second rounder. I don't know why in this deep of a draft and, and Trey McBride's a good tight end. And but you got Zach Ertz there. You're gonna have him there for a couple more seasons. Yeah. You just lost your top pass rusher. There was a couple guys that were available at that spot that they could have picked that could have really helped them out. But I was just, I just, uh, it just didn't line up for me. And <laughs> I want to see what you think about this, Ronnie, because uh, it just didn't match up with, with what I felt like their immediate needs were. I mean, interior offensive line was one of their biggest needs. They didn't pick uh, pick one until uh, pick six. The sixth round, yeah, uh, I, I agree round, with yeah. you. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah, McBride uh, might be the, one of the better tight ends, the if not the best tight end in this draft. But I don't think that really helped you a whole lot right now, especially like you said, you got Hurts in there. Uh, yeah, that, you're right. The whole thing was kind of head scratching. This whole off season, though, for for Arizona yeah. s- since that loss in the playoffs, that terrible loss in the playoffs, it's just been down hill and that hill is still rolling i i I don't know what's going on in arizona i don't have a lot of faith that they're going to rebound and do much this year uh but i could be wrong it is like i said the nfc and you don't have to necessarily be that strong of a team in the nfc to to you know blast break into the playoffs but (laughs) blasphemy hey that's not a knock on san francisco they're one of the better teams (laughs) just uh, overall, the NFC is weak this year. Yeah, I mean, when you at look at the, the the power, I mean, if you were looking at power rankings, you know, and we're going to do that, we're going to have a, a, a fun offseason now when we start to kind of piece together what these teams have. But you're you're right. The AFC is loaded, and then you look over to the NFC, and it's really quarterback-driven. It's a quarterback-driven league. You have a ton of quarterbacks in the AFC, not as much in the, in the AFC, not as much in the NFC. But the Cardinals are a team that – you almost feel like the last two years they should be on the brink, right? Yeah. They they should be on the brink of making something happen. Cliff Kingsbury, like, he has this track record of doing really great early and faltering a little bit late. And I look at this draft, and th- they had an opportunity. And by the way, this is not a knock in saying, hey, I think all these guys are going to be trash. We don't know what these guys are going to be. This is just our immediate reaction and saying what their needs were initially and compared to what they drafted for. And to me, that's what this, I mean, you lose your best pass rusher, your best one that was a game changer in Chandler Jones. Perfect. We got the draft coming up. We're going to get a guy. We got a, we got a first rounder. Okay. We're going to trade that for Hollywood Brown. Okay. All right. We're on the clock. It's the second round. We lost Chandler Jones. We know we got to replace him. We're going to go with Trey McBride at tight end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was it was just one of those things where it just didn't line up for me, and maybe it'll work out, okay, and they'll they'll prove me wrong just like the entire NFL draft did. Yeah. But this just but, didn't line up to me. Yeah. And, and I follow the Cardinals fairly well. They're a division rival. So it's like, right. man, they also lost James Conner. I mean, then they, they pick up a running back in the sixth round. I, I just I don't know what what they're doing and uh, maybe they're changing a couple things philosophy wise, but I just don't see how they got better on draft day. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, absolutely. And you look at that, you know, the, like the wide receiver room. They lost Christian Kirk. Yeah, um, they Andre Hopkins is gone for six Hopkins games for six weeks, and they may bring in Marquise Brown, and there's still question marks on him. He really yeah. hasn't proven 
anything. In fact, uh, Steve Smith uh, Sr. <laughs> oh, oh, I love listening to him. He ripped him. He ripped him good. He was like, this dude can't beat man. He cannot, uh, you know, people get up in his face. He can't beat them. Uh, he's a speed and, guy. Yeah. And he's a speed he, guy. He's essentially going to be your number one. All the coverage is going to be focused on him because what else on that offense, as far as wide receivers, especially when Hopkins out, who else is going to scare defense? They got uh, Rondell Moore, but he was a rookie it, last year. Is it Isabella? Is Andy Isabella? It, no? Yeah. So, so AJ, there, yeah, AJ Green's coming there. back, right? AJ Green's coming back. Cool, but AJ Green's been around. Like <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's going to knock the dust off his cleats. No, and I, you're right. I mean, this. This draft class had a bunch of receivers. There was all over the place. And that, they they had to have known and, and that DeAndre Hopkins was going to get suspended because that kind of connected the dots a little bit for, okay, that's kind of why you got Hollywood Brown. But but then again, it's Hollywood Brown. You're not going to replace DeAndre Hopkins with yeah Hollywood Brown. I, I would have fully expected them to have drafted at least one wide receiver. If not in the yeah. second round, there's somewhere in there, but not one. I you, you look here and there's not even one. You're right. You're yeah. you're absolutely right. So um, head scratching for sure. Cardinals losers. Draft day. <laughs> the Patriots. Woo! You're excited about this. I'm going to top this great. off. And and this one is now. I uh, it's almost like you're talking about God. You know, you don't want to sit like say anything <laughs> bad, like loud. You know, it's like Belichick's listening. He he knows that you're talking bad about him, and he's going to somehow find a way to make this draft class work. But my big one, and now I know the, the coaches looked at this different, specifically Kyle Shanahan and um, <laughs> Sean McVay had a reaction to this. That was great. To Cole Strange. Now, there's a lot of teams that had Cole Strange going early. They had a first-round grade on him, but there's a lot of teams that didn't either. There's a lot of teams that had him third round. Matter of fact, outsiders looking in had him about third round. So when he came off the board at 29, what in the world is happening right now? At 29, he's coming off. Sean McVay's in the middle of a press conference <laughs> because he's so, got no picks. That's hilarious. And he goes, Cole Strange just came off the board. And he's like laughing about it. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if he I don't think he meant it like disrespectfully, but I think they were looking to see where that kid was gonna go. Because potentially maybe he could have been there for the Rams at what was it 108 or something like that that they picked at? Yeah. 104. So very head scratching to me. They need they needed a receiver. They picked up Tyquan Thornton um in the second round, early in the second round. Uh Marcus Jones, who's a good uh good corner, by the way, uh, in the third round. But I'm just looking at this and again, I'm looking at immediate need. Did they did they hit on their immediate needs? It's hard to say that they did. Cole Strange, if he works out, great. But you could have probably got him in the second round. You probably yeah. could have got a, a better and, receiver in the first. And or, that's always the thing. Happened. And when people, uh, when they make fun of or grade a draft, it's not to say that the player sucks. Because <laughs> that's not right. at all what people are saying. It's primarily it's the value. Where could you have actually gotten him? Who could you have taken ahead of him and still got him in the next round or two rounds later? That's primarily that's what, you know, when you're looking at draft grades and whatnot and we're having these types of discussions, that's what we're looking at in most cases. Um, I do like uh, the Marcus Jones pick. Uh, he does project more, though, as a return guy. Uh, he's kind of a smaller 
uh, corner. Actually did a little bit of write-up on him for the Rams because there was potential that they might be looking at him too at 104. Obviously, at 85, he didn't quite make it there. But uh, he, uh, if I remember correctly, he broke the record, NCAA record for uh, kick returns. I believe there was nine of them he had between punt and kick return touchdowns. He's a, a phenomenal return guy. A little smaller on the, you know, as far as the physicality aspect of yeah, being a corner. Yeah, 5'8", 185. But, yeah. So we'll see how that part of it pans out. Uh, Taekwon Thornton, I believe he's a 4'2'8 guy. Uh, you know, lightning fast, but a lot of guys are, and it doesn't work out. So we'll, we'll see how that one. And uh, my running joke on that is it doesn't matter how fast he runs because Mac Jones can't get on the ball anyway. So. Oh, man. <laughs> Shots fired. You want – I'll tell you what, that's that's the thing that I, I looked at with this, with the Patriots. You got a young guy that you that you selected at 15 last year. What are you putting around him? Because right now, who's the Patriots receivers? You have Kendrick Bourne. I know him because he's a Niner guy. I like Kendrick Bourne. Name another one. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think of their number one. Uh, what was uh, uh, um, Neil? Uh, they're well, looking it, at there was uh, Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry. That's who, yeah, Nikhil yeah, Harry. he's gonna fall down the death charts. There was one more, I, his name is escaping me. He's their primary guy, though, too. But that kind of tells you a little bit, though. We can't remember his name, right? Uh, now, I will <laughs> say that the, the Patriots have never really had like a ton of receivers that are like off the charts. TB12 made a lot of those guys because he was amazing, right. You had Julian Edelman who just crushed it in the, in the slot, but it's like they're they're re- trying to refine their identity. By the way, Bill Belichick has not named an offensive coordinator now that Josh McDaniels is gone, which I find that kind of strange. Okay, hasn't named who's calling who's calling the plays here, whose <laughs> philosophy are we drafting for? A lot yeah. of questions that I have. I just looked at this and and I had a lot of questions like you know with Marcus Jones, you're absolutely right tremendous in the return game and i imagine he's gonna have a lot of time in the preseason and maybe early on in the season if he has success at that spot the 5'8 185 are you looking at him as a nickel corner is that what you drafted in, in round three a nickel corner maybe yeah you know he, he's lightning fast he's got a lot of ball skills actually so it wouldn't surprise me to, to watch him have success but overall just looking at the way that the draft went with what their needs were with what was available that is where I have them as a loser, Patriots yeah. loser. Well, and you look at their history though; they're not known as great a great drafting team. I right. like everybody puts Belichick and the Patriots on this pedestal. Uh, they have not done well in drafting over the years, and I'm I'm sorry to say, but Tom Brady made that team. There's always this debate. Was it Brady? Right. Was it Belichick? Was it? But I'm starting to kind of lean from towards the Brady side because Brady's career has not dropped off at all. Like not just as he was ten years ago. Yeah. Oh Belichick, yeah. He won a Super Bowl without Belichick. Yeah. By the way, Belichick, Belichick still. Yeah. He's still. Yeah. I don't know. And it's crazy to say, but I think the the tides have turned for the Patriots. They're at the bottom. Of, well. Yeah, I you think they might very well because the the, there's no way they're behind the Jets, but. The Jets are closing that gap. With, uh, the Jets are closing that gap. Now, Johan, I know you got Randy Moss here. I get it. I know he played for the Patriots. I understand that. I'm for talking. I'm, I'm talking. Yeah, for a season when Tom Brady's going nuts and throwing 80 million touchdowns. I know that. <laughs> but I'm talking like even in the in the 
the prime of the Patriots, uh, you know, there wasn't that guy that you knew before then, right? That was like that guy. Um, there just there just hasn't been. All right, the Packers. And here's why. Now, Dan Orlovsky actually had them at uh, WTF plus in his <laughs> draft grades, and that was what the fudge plus. Because now I'm not against Quay Walker. I'm not against Devontae Wyatt. They needed those guys, okay? But Aaron Rodgers, like it, it's it's almost as if they're intentionally passive aggressively trying to piss the man <laughs> off. They, yeah, he even was on the Pat McAfee show uh, last week, and he said that when he said that he was coming back, he was under the assumption that Devonte Adams was coming back. And when Devonte Adams said he was going, and they traded him, okay, well now who am I throwing to? Marquez Valdez-Scantling is gone. You got Andrew Lazard there. You have uh, Amari Rogers, who they picked up in the draft last year. A lot of questions of who he's going to be throwing the ball to. And then, all right, we have this draft where we have six to seven wide receivers coming off the board in round one. Pick 22, you're up. We had, there were some mocks that I saw that had two receivers going uh, to the Packers. <laughs> Uh, there were some, I mean, everybody had at least one in the first yeah. round. Now, Christian Watson, I think, is going to be a tremendous player. I really do. I'm high on Christian Watson. I actually think the pairing of him and Rodgers could potentially be deadly. But they really risked not, I mean, they had to, I think they even traded up to to get him, by the way, in the second round. They traded up to get Christian Watson, which is great. But where is that in the first round? Like, where was the urgency to show, like, in the first round that, hey, we need to get weapons back around Aaron? That's our guy. I look at this draft, and defensively, I say, okay, cool. You needed to replace um, Zadarius Smith. He's gone. You need to replace him. So they get Quay Walker. Okay. Devontae Wyatt, they needed to be able to, to sure up that defensive line. Okay, I can understand that. But every time they've had an opportunity to get these receivers, they've just passed on it, starting with the pick of Jordan Love. And it's like, you went through this whole offseason stuff just year after year, and there's nothing like, uh, even from the outside perspective, we're like, what are they going to get Aaron? And then you look on that first day and you're like, nothing. Even the Eagles got A.J. Brown. Like, yeah. what is going on? And so it, it's just hard to say that I feel like that they absolutely won the, the the night. They got some good players, but their biggest need was wide receiver and wide receiver. And then figure out what else you need to do because there are some pass rushers that you could have gotten in the second round, but they decided to go early defensive guys, get a wide receiver in the second round from a small school and trade up to get him. What are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, I actually didn't mind I wouldn't put him in the loser category. I won't put him necessarily in the winner category either. Cause I remember when the Packers pick came up at 22 uh, and once the mocks got completely thrown out the window, I was sitting here right. trying to, okay, who are we going to pick? They need a wide receiver. Who's oh, there's really nothing left. <laughs> like that run on wide receivers in the first 20, I think they would have went wide receiver had those guys dropped. If any yeah. of one of those six or seven guys had fallen to them at 22, I think they might've pulled the trigger, but there were none. So I think at that point it became more of a value pick to go after Walker. Uh, you know, this is our yeah. draft board. We're going to stick to it uh, regardless of our, of our positional need. Um, 
So I think that's what happened with, with that. And you're right. Walker and Wyatt are both good players and they could be stalwarts on that defense for years to come potentially. And um, same with Watson. Uh, I thought the, uh, the interview with Aaron Rodgers after that uh, first round was, was kind of interesting. He was like, well, you know what to say defense wins championships. So, <laughs> he played it. He played it well. He played it, it. he played it off. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything. They they paid the man. Which, by the way, I want to to bring up. That's why uh, Adams isn't there anymore. It was very difficult to pay just those two guys and have everybody else around because Jair Alexander, his payday is coming up, and it's going to be a yeah. big one. So, I get it, and I. You know, when I looked at this, Ronnie, I'm not going to lie. I, they were in that neutral category for me. But then the more that I kind of looked at it and I was just kind of like, did they just love Christian Watson? Like, was that it? Because, and were they like, okay, we can get him in the second round. So that's what we're going to do. I have to imagine that they really looked at this receiver class hard. And I know that there, that there was a run on receivers. My question is, they traded they had two first rounders. If they really liked a guy and they wanted one, why didn't they go get him? Everybody else was, everybody <laughs> yeah. else was making a deal to go get their guy. AJ Brown was on the trade block essentially. And they, people made it known that they were trying to get him. Now I'm sure that they made calls on Debo Samuel and very happy. He's still 49er. He's not going anywhere. Matter of fact, that seems to be starting to mend up according to Instagram, whatever you want to take out of that. Happy about that. But <laughs> There's AJ Brown that was potentially out there. Could you imagine what if the Packers got AJ Brown? Aaron Rodgers is happy, dude. He's got a huge receiver to throw yeah. out there, too. Okay, fine. You don't get AJ Brown. What about Olave? What about all these other guys that are up there, maybe projected ahead of Christian Watson, but were really good, good receivers? They had the capital. Look at all these damn picks. They could have packaged some of these together and moved up. I that's kind of where when I looked at this, trying to be objective about it and said, you know what? This is if I'm Aaron, I'm a little bit frustrated because it's not just one time that it's happened. It's several times now. Year after year, they, yeah. And this was a great class of receiver, and they didn't do it. They went defense, and they went to Christian Watson the second round. I think he'll be a great player. But, man, they were not aggressive in trying to get me any weapons. Well, and I, I do wonder if maybe they did try to go up and they just weren't matching what other teams were willing to give up. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. We'll never know. But you're right. With all that draft capital, it's hard to imagine they couldn't match or or or, or do better uh, than maybe what some of these other teams uh, did that moved up. Um, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens this year. Uh, at the end of the day, though, rookies are rookie. And at the wide receiver spot, I know we've had some rookies that have, like, yeah. hit the ground running and exploded. That does not happen very often. And, and maybe no. this is the new trend and maybe this is the new thing. And that's, and you know, We'll see what happens this this coming year, but um, until there's several years in a row where we're seeing rookie wide receivers contribute the way that Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson did, I'm still not going to buy the rookie sensations just yet. Yeah, I will say the trend though is moving in that way because this is. is how the college game is and how the NFL game is kind of evolving, and you have all these kids playing seven on seven almost year round now. I mean, you're seeing that these receivers are really polished coming into the league now. I'm actually really excited to see Christian Watson, 6'5", 200 pounds. That's going to be a, a nice target for Aaron. Uh, so I hey. still just – I want yeah. to see them be aggressive at, at receiver, and they didn't I happen, agree. so yeah. they end up in my L category. Yeah, they could have certainly done something, I think, to move up. 
Uh, yeah, Watson and uh, Drake London are pretty much the only two that were over maybe like 6'2", I think. Uh, uh, what was uh, the Arkansas been, guy? Trey Burks. I think he was 6'2". He, he was up there. He was a big guy, yeah. too. But, uh, it, you know, we had our conversation earlier this week between uh, me and you about the receivers and the direction where he's going. That's going to be – that's a conversation we should uh, have maybe in the next week or two about where this league's going in the receiver market. Absolutely. Well, fun. the rules and, and the <laughs> yeah. rules too, right? Like the, yeah, we'll definitely have a conversation about that. Cause we'll go on and on and on <laughs> the Jaguars, man. It, first of all, any chance I get to dunk on Trent Balky, I'm here for it. I am here <laughs> for it. I just don't understand. I get the upside of Trayvon Walker. I was, I heard all the noise. You heard all the noise. I am just not sold on him being a number one guy. The number one pick in the draft? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I was not sold on him being that. I, I get that you're projecting where he's going to be. But when you're in the number one pick in the draft, it damn near, you have to be a sure thing. And for me, he's anything but. What What did you think about that? Absolutely. Like, all the talk and chatter of all the numbers and the physical traits and this and that, uh, it started kind of being okay. Well, you know, okay, I can I can see maybe why. But then you start really like you know, kind of look at the numbers, um, and yeah, the tape looks good. Was the lack of production based more on the scheme, or was he just not able to pull it all together with all those physical traits? You're right. There's just too many question marks. And if you're drafting number one overall, that that has to be the la- the least risky risky pick. And I, you know, I even approach fantasy football drafts the same way. Like, okay, if I'm picking number one, who can I pick that is not injury? Sure. Fire. Gotta be the guy. He's on the right offense. He's yeah, exactly. Like I can, okay, well, well, if this happens then I got this, if this happened no, Yeah. And even if he does pan out, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Like he has a long ways to go, especially as a pass rusher. That was probably the weakest part of his, his game. Yeah. Um, the, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, it was Aiden Hutchinson should have been number one. Uh, he's about as surefire as you're going to get, I think in this draft, maybe he's not the next Reggie white or whatever, but as far as this draft goes, I think he was the, the safest pick and that's where they should have went, but you called it. You said Balky's kind of an idiot and goes for these guys. So, <laughs> yeah. And I, it was like those things. It's like watching a car crash, right? Like you're, <laughs> You don't want it to happen, but there's a small piece of you that just kind of wants to see the disaster happen. Maybe it's a car crash is a bad example, but it was like he picked him. And I was like, the son of a B did it. Like he really <laughs> did it. Like he yeah. really picked this guy. And I hope that he's a good pro. I do. But his his career forever is going to be compared to Aiden Hutchinson. They, those two oh, yeah. are that comparison is going to be there. But the other thing that I was really looking at is there was such a great draft class of tackles. You just drafted a rookie quarterback in the number one overall pick last year. Okay. You got the number one pick again. Protect the kid. Invest in his future. Invest in trying to protect him and all that stuff. There's all these tackles. Maybe trade down and you can get one of those guys. Get some more draft capital back. You look at this, they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks as a team that had three wins. They only had seven picks. 
two more first rounders, and this is what they did with them. Okay, we got offensive guys. We want to put up points on the board. Perfect. We're going to go defensive end and linebacker. We'll get a guard in the third round, though. Oh, then we're going to go linebacker in later third round. Then we'll get a running back in the fifth. They literally didn't put anything around Trevor Lawrence at all offensively. Well, they did spend all of their money in free agency on wide receivers. On Christian Kirk. A uh, guy who is at best a number two receiver in this league, at least at, to this point. Maybe maybe he proves us wrong this year, but um, I don't see that happening with Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. And, and that's not a knock on Lawrence. I think he's going to be a good player, and he's just not there yet. It's just it, it's mind-boggling to me. So you and I are both fans of teams that really covet building through the draft and supplementing in free agency. Yeah, And I really, and, and the head coach and the GMs are just, they're, they're mind mouthing each other all the time. Like they're, they're on the same page. So when we, when I see a team like this and I'm very familiar with the Trent Balky area area era and how much of a dumpster fire that was because of how many misses he had in the draft, he had a couple hits, but you know what they say? A broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> He might hit on a couple of these and it's not a knock necessarily on some of these guys. I'm just, they just got done having urban Meyer in that whole show that went on. Now they got bulky in there and I just don't feel like the way that this draft went was really trying to build through the draft and supplement and free agency. They spent big because they had the money to cool. But they didn't get really a lot of guys that I was like, sweet, they went to Jacksonville. They're gonna turn that, they're gonna turn that team around. Matter of fact, if it wasn't for the Christian Kirk contract, I might have forgot that Christian Kirk went there. <laughs> yeah. So it's like well, they paid him like a number one. They paid him like a number it one. And it to me, just outside looking in, this is not sustainable to spend that in free agency to only have seven picks. You have to you have to hit those seven picks. Like yeah. the the margin for error is so small, you have to hit like they got to hit five of these. They have to. They're three and fourteen in the AFC South, man. Like they have to hit these because people are going to get fired. C careers are going to end because of this. And I just don't see like that long dark tunnel. I don't see the light at the end. I don't see them coming around the corner. I still see them as the Jacksonville Jaguars who are just going to be the laughing stock of the league. And I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm with you. And it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, I think this year, well, I mean, we can go back to last year too, when they were signing Urban Meyer. That to me was really kind of the first sign, like, oh, what is, what are they Cringe. doing over here? Cringe. You know, obviously Lawrence was a, a fine pick. I mean, everybody would have picked him number one and rightfully so he should have been. Um, if Balky was right. there, I don't think he would have. If Balky was there, I don't <laughs> think he would have. So, yeah, the, I mean, I don't know. I, I wonder, too, how much of these picks uh, Doug Peterson had a hand in as well. Uh, if uh, Or if it was just all Balky, like, this is what we're doing. And I, I mean, I don't know. You you hope that they're working together. But, um, yeah, they, I don't think they did Lawrence any favors. I, they definitely, I, they definitely. Do. We got to remember though, they do, they will get Travis Etienne back next year, so uh, that will help. 
Yeah, but it's not going to protect down, him. He went down before <laughs> the season even started, right? Yeah. He went down with the ACL yeah. early, early. Well, I know so we talked. Good to go. Yeah, and, and listen, I I want teams like the Jaguars. I, I like them to succeed. It's good for the NFL to have that parity and that. There's a nice fan base that is there in Jacksonville. I mean, you always hear Duval and all that. It's good for the league when some of these teams that aren't very good most of the time that start to get good. So for me, I, I would like to see Jacksonville kind of turn it around. Obviously, they're in the AFC. It's it's, it's going to be tough. Um, we talked about the quarterbacks. They kind of tumbled. We're going to skip past that because I really want to get to this because we're already at, a, at an hour and four minutes. We talked in length about the draft, and rightly so. Um, we'll talk about the, the quarterbacks tumbling and kind of what we think about that. But there was a quote that came out yesterday that we had a conversation about a, a Ryan Tannehill. And it was basically that he is not there to mentor Malik Willis. And he said a lot of things that were very, hi, I'm a red flag. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but he stated that he is not a mentor to Malik Willis. That is not his job. And I want to hear your opinion on it. I know we talked briefly about it, but to be honest, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And Ryan Tannehill is not a guy that Tom Brady. Yeah. You can get away of saying that about Jimmy Garoppolo. You're still playing. You're still winning Super Bowls. Okay. Ryan Tannehill. You're happy to sniff the AFC championship game, pal. <laughs> they drafted a dude in the third round and you're talking about not wanting to be his mentor. That's not your job, man. That's just very yeah. off-putting to me. But what, what are your thoughts, Ronnie? Yeah, it is me too. Uh, I think that's kind of one of those things that goes with the job. Like, you know, when you accept a position or a job, there are certain responsibilities, uh, unspoken responsibilities perhaps, uh, that, that come with that. And that to me is one of them. I, uh, and he, it's not like he's a, a young quarterback in this league either. And outside of, I think, one year where they made it to the AFC Championship game, Last year they got bounced round one and they were the number one seed. Uh, I don't feel like, yeah, I'm with you. He hasn't really proven enough to be to 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 say things like that. But even if even if he was, that's kind of part of what goes with being a veteran quarterback or any veteran for that matter. Like when yeah. the team brings in these guys, you're like, come on, I got you. And um, I even I've seen some of these guys uh, uh, that aren't even playing anymore. Saying, "Hey, hit me up. Let's talk." Kurt I'll Warner had a tremendous quote. Yep, Kurt Warner. I, um, I've seen Andrew Wentworth do that with a couple of guys. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool when these guys step up and like, "I got you," because I kind of look at the NFL. Like, obviously, I never played in the league, but I kind of look at the camaraderie and the togetherness, the family atmosphere of it, similar to what I did experience with the military. And when you have somebody like that. That's just, it doesn't mesh. It doesn't fit. It's, I've heard so many different sides of this argument the, this last couple days. And I just cannot get past the, the team at like the team aspect of it. Okay. On one hand, I do remember Drew Bledsoe. And this was very one, one of those things that was in the Man of the Arena series, like the first couple episodes when Tom Brady's in there that, 
he goes down, Tom Brady's starting to play well. And he mentioned like, it's not my job to, to mentor him. He, he is, he is right. Like, I understand like you're in the NFL, like as a quarterback, like these guys are told from like the moment that they become a quarterback, that you're the guy, like you walk in the huddle, that's your huddle. Like you're calling the plays, like you're the guy, you're the face of the entire team. Right. So I, uh, there's part that I really understand. Like I get where he's coming from in that aspect, but then there's the team aspect of it is that you added to the, the, the room uh, in the quarterback room. Who's to say that what if you go down for a couple games, the playoffs are on the line. You're going to get a chance to go play in the playoffs. If Malik Willis plays well, but you didn't do anything to help him out. Right. To help him prepare for, for that moment. Like, I, I get that you don't want to prepare for somebody to take your job, especially at the quarterback position. I understand that. But I just look at the way that that Jimmy Garoppolo handled, handled it this last year. Like, I have nothing but respect for that guy. He, they The 49ers traded up their, you know, three first-round picks, really two first-round picks, because they swapped one. They didn't lose a first-round pick last yeah. year. Um, I hate that argument. Yeah. Like you could tell. Um, but they traded a guy in Trey Lance knowingly that he's there to replace Garoppolo. And Garoppolo's first thing was, well, do I have a chance to compete for my job? Yeah, you do. Perfect. That's all I can ask for. And in every single interview, that's all he said. I'm here. I'm, I I get to play football today. I, I'm, that's my, I get to go out and compete. And if I do my job, I'm going to be start for this team. That's how he handled it. You see how Aaron Rodgers has handled his spot. It's just, it rocks the boat. Kind of what you're saying. It, it doesn't fit. And you see a lot of circumstances that are different, right? Tom Brady to Jimmy Garoppolo was a lot different. He didn't really help that guy out a lot. But Jimmy will say that he did. You see um, Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Where t- Drew Bledsoe said, no, I'm not. that's not my job. But then you have a, a Hall of Fame quarterback like, Kurt Warner saying, Hey, now he was the underdog. So he kind of took somebody else's job and Trent green's job when, when he got injured. So it wasn't like, what if Trent green didn't mentor him at all? Yeah. Right. He came in there and kind of, so I understand the argument. It doesn't mean I agree with it though. I, I just think that you have that same color Jersey on. It says the same thing. It says Tennessee Titans or Buffalo bills or San Francisco 49ers. And you're in that room together. And you have 53 guys that make that roster and your job and what your aspiration is, is to go and win the Super Bowl. Well, how, how do I do that? I need to do it by being the best teammate possible. However, I can help my group. I'm going to help my group. You're competing every day. That doesn't mean that you're giving the keys to the team, to Malik Willis by helping him and saying, Hey, when you see cover two and you see middle field open, when you see him break across uh, the safety, you want to let the ball go there. That's not him saying, hey, I want you to take my job. That's saying, I want you to see success on the field if you should see it, is what it is. Well, and so and I think it just I think it just adds to the legacy of a player, too. Like right. if you're a veteran and you're helping to groom a kid to bring him along, and then one day he does take over and succeeds and has a great career, you had a hand in that. Right. So so to me, that just adds to the legacy. Now with the Aaron Rodgers situation, drafting like Jordan Love, and he, obviously he didn't handle that very well. I, 
I can kind of get on surprise. board a little bit more. Yeah, I can get on board surprise. a little bit more of that because Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still playing well. I mean, I that doesn't make any sense. Ryan Tannehill needs to step back and look in the mirror and be like, why did they take a quarterback? It's because of me. I need to play better. So let me step up my game and help this kid too. So that, like you were saying, if something happens and I go down, he can step in for the team and we can still win. Uh, so it's to me, it's to kind of two different situations, but yeah, I, I feel like with like Aaron Rodgers and the way he treated that, it was more of a, um, I guess kind of an ego thing with him. Whereas I feel like with Tannehill, it's more of a, a confidence thing. I don't think he's that confident in himself because yes. I feel like if he was, he would, it wouldn't be an issue. He'd be like, Oh yeah, come on. I got you, bro. That is, is exactly, <laughs> that is exactly where I was going with that because Aaron Rodgers, it like Joe Montana, Steve Young. Joe Montana was Joe Montana. Joe Montana was yeah. winning Super Bowls. They had a guy that was good, Hall of Fame caliber player that's chomping at the bit to get in there. And they ha- they made each other better. And even when those two kind of talk about it as they like as they're older, they're they hated the situation when they were in it, but they're glad that they were in it because it made them better players. Yeah. Tannenhill said some things also that were like just hearing it from a quarterback's mouth was crazy to me. Like when you look at your quarterback, you look at him like, that's your guy. I will follow him into battle anywhere. Like Josh Allen, dude, I would follow that guy into any battle. Cause you know, he's going to be in the front, not in the back. Like he's going to be going and he's going to be battling. Right. Tannehill. I do feel like he, he was a high draft pick in Miami. And that didn't work out, right? And look where he's at. I think when he's viewing at this, he's like, oh, my God, it's happening again. Like, I don't know if I can go through this again this late in my career. Malik Willis is a tremendous talent, mind you. He's got the arm. He's got the legs. He just needs to have the eyes and trust what he sees to make it happen on the field. But he also said some things like after that loss to to the Bengals that he had to go through weeks of therapy to get over the loss. Bro. I get, like, I'm the worst loser that there is, okay? I'm not going to therapy if I lose. I'm going to work my ass off, and I'm going to try to get better. I'm not going to go talk to somebody about it. I, and yeah. I get I applaud the guy for being vulnerable. But that is the last position on the field that you want to, like, open up and be like, guys, I'm just not really feeling it today. Like, we're they're getting a whole lot of pressure, and I got to stand here. They're hitting me. Like, that is not what you want to hear. Like, you, you want to hear that confident guy, and yeah. you hit the nail on the head. That, to me, shows a chink in the armor for him. And it's a red flag if I'm a coach, if I'm a GM. Like, that's not a guy that everybody's going to follow. And then he's not going to mentor yeah. the guy on top of it. Man, and you, I don't know. you know there's got to be some players in that, in that locker room looking at him in a different light now. Like, oh. Um, a little bit. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, you brought up the uh, that mentality. You know, oh, my gosh, don't hit me. I don't, you know, whatever. I've had – many discussions in the past with people about, you know, rookie quarterbacks, do they play or do they not play their first year? And a lot of people will say, well, you don't want them getting beat up and their confidence getting destroyed the rookie year because they can't protect them, this and that. I kind of feel like the opposite. If my quarterback can't handle that adversity, do I want him as my quarterback? Like right. there's going to be some rough times in the league, but you better step up and be a man about it and take it. That's just the way it is in this league. It's not ever always going to be rosy and perfect unless you're Tom Brady. Uh, and even he's lost a few Super Bowls. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really the thing at the end of the day when you talk about the position. Like, what does the position of quarterback entail? Well, number one, you have to be the ultimate leader on the team. Yeah. Like, everybody looks to the quarterback as being a leader on the team. Tom Brady leads his his group out of the tunnel. I think he's the first one out, running all the way down to the end zone, you know, FES and all this stuff that he has, <laughs> let's up and go. I love that. You know, you love to see the, the fire in that. And yeah. You, you, there's also guys that lead quietly. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that, you know, people say a lot of stuff about him, but he is a good player. And there are players that come to bat for Aaron Rodgers. And he's yeah. a tremendous talent. He leads in a little bit of a different way. He's a quiet guy, you know, but he gets in the huddle and he, and he says stuff. You got your calm, cool, collected guys like Joe Burrow. He's not going to be yelling and all that stuff. He's just going to be calm in the storm. And that's what you expect from your quarterback. Because the storm's around them the whole time. They have a million yeah. things on their mind. They got to be the general that is directing guys, that's getting the ball in the right places, that everybody's looking at where that W goes or that L goes. It falls on the quarterback. We talk about it being a stat or not. <laughs> but yeah. we judge them on that, right? We, we still do if they're a part of a winning program or not. So when you hear a guy like Ryan Tannehill just have that, and maybe I'm making a big deal out of it, but just as a player, and I'm thinking about in 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 my situation, when I was a player, I played running back. I didn't play quarterback. They were running backs coming in all the time that were trying to trying to take my spot. My job is to not let them. I get that. Tannehill, your job is to not let Malik Willis take your job. But in the meantime, be a teammate. Yeah. That's that's where I stand at. You're all there to compete. Everybody's there for your job. Everybody is. Everybody on the other teams are, are looking for your job too, by the way, because there's only 32 of them in the NFL and there's 64 quarterbacks that are on rosters at, at the very minimum, right? Yeah. Everybody's looking for your job. If you don't perform, you're getting traded. How's Baker Mayfield feeling right now? Lovely. How's he feeling? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I totally get it. It's not their, their job to mentor them. I understand. But when you come out and say it publicly, publicly, and you're the face of the franchise, really, when you, I mean, that is kind of, uh, it just it's yeah. off-putting. It's very off-putting. Like I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it. I want to see what happens. I want to see if if people made a big deal about this last couple of days. I'm curious if they, you know, Brian Tannehill gets to the podium again. You know what he might say. Well, no, that's not quite what I meant. You know, you caught me in a bad moment. You took it out of context. Yeah, I mean, I heard the quote. It's definitely not out of context, but uh, I, I I understand it. But either way, I think that's a good ending point of this. The drafts are done. We've seen free agency go. We've seen the draft go. Now we've kind of seen where the rosters are at. We've had a lot of un, undrafted free agents that were signed to fill squads. Now we get to see what's going to happen. So we're going to have some team previews that are going to be coming out over the next months. We're going to be having a lot of discussions about where teams are at. Ronnie, the the offseason is we're kind of going to go move into that dead period until we start seeing some training camps open, uh, some OTAs in June, and yeah. then end of July and into August, we're going to start seeing some training camps um, what are you most looking forward to as we progress into 2022? I know you got your bills on, on your mind, but who do you think outside of the bills, like you've seen what they did in the draft and you've seen what they did in free agency that you're going, Hey, they might uh, turn some heads this next year. 
Hmm. I, man, I hate to say this. I'm kind of curious to see what the Dolphins are going to do. They are loaded. They they really they did a good job of surrounding Tua with some weapons. I'm not a big Tua fan, but at the same time, like I said, we've seen quarterbacks develop over, you know, two, three, four seasons and, and really step up. And maybe he does the same thing. Uh, so, and their defense has always been pretty solid. So, uh, curious to see what happens over there. And uh, I'm hoping nothing great, but uh, I, I honestly think that's Buffalo's biggest uh, opponent, biggest foe uh, in in the division. Yeah, I, I that's a, that's a good one. That's good. And one. of course, the AFC West. That's gonna be fun. Oh, the AFC West. I was, I almost had to say, and you can't say anybody in the AFC West because yeah. they're loaded over there. Yeah, that's a good mine. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm gonna say this. And Johan, just hit record on your phone right now. I'm actually looking <laughs> forward to the Eagles. I want to see what they do because they they were missing some pieces, and I think they've done a great job this offseason of kind of plugging in those holes a little bit. I'm excited to watch Nicobe Dean. I'm excited to watch AJ Brown. I'm excited to watch what that team's able to do. And there's a there's kind of like an underlying reason. Can somebody get those Cowboys out of there, please? <laughs> there has not been a back-to-back division winner in that division for a long time. Dallas got it this last yeah. year. I think the Eagles have the ability to do that. I don't think Dallas got better either, by the way. I don't think that Dallas got better this offseason. We're going to break all these guys down, but I'm excited to see the Eagles. Oh, I Johan. can't wait to start. Yeah. Yeah. Start oh, getting into the be September. And, yeah. Well, we have the uh, schedule coming out in about a week on the 12th. Yes, Unfortunately, it's the day after our next episode, but uh, we'll definitely you know have to dig into that the following week. Uh, but uh, yeah. This, I can't wait. Yeah. I schedule. I, I am looking forward to the NFL's top 100 players. I, I watch that every year. We'll have I to, love that. We'll have to get. I love that one. On that too. Yeah. I love that one. Uh, and this one's going to be tough. There's the the last two out of the last three years. Uh, America's game has been a pain for me. Watching the Kansas City Chiefs talked about the wasp play drives yeah. me nuts. That third and fifteen should have been holding on Bosa, but whatever. And then <laughs> the Rams this year because I know like. We've had the Rams number, and even in that game, had an opportunity to seize that game. It's going to be a pain to watch, but I always love watching that because we had a conversation about this. I know we got to get off the show, but we had a conversation about this. I love watching people, no matter, even if it's a team that I hate win the championship, because you just watch a champion become a champion. You, those guys know what it takes and getting to hear yeah. their stories and the things that took them there. I always love to, to listen to the little things that they, there was somebody wrote this, or there was this moment that turned us into a championship team. So I'm excited but about that. The human side of these guys, the human side of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, Ronnie, we'll be back our same place and time uh, next week. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. Uh, that schedule is going to be coming out. The international series did get released today. We'll have a little uh, chat about that. Germany is going to get a game. Pretty excited there. Uh, but until then, Ronnie, uh, we're out, man. We're out of here, guys. Have a good night.